Hey, this is Rick from the Robot Lords of Tokyo, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. I'm Richie. And uh, we are back for week two of Dog Eat Dog, and I thought it would be good that, you know, I just kind of did all the talking on the first one, but obviously Richie was the one that reached out and had that all happen and stuff, so I thought, you know, let's get him down into the studio to at least uh, talk a little bit before we roll the second half of uh, the Joey Allen interview. Hmm. I don't normally get down when we do these um, retrospective album kind of things you normally do the talking in the beginning and yep. and um you just let let it roll probably because they're long <laughs> uh-huh. well it is that's part of it yes yeah, it, it's it's usually is already about an hour or more of, of audio so it's like crap it's already really long so it's pretty much make it short and sweet and move on but yeah with this we split it so there's a little bit more time and i just said hey you know the opportunity's here so let's go for it hmm. what do you think of that album do you like it um yeah i mean it, it's different and and definitely, you know, I think it took some real balls on their part to go from cherry pie to dog eat dog. That's a that's a step change right there. It's a lot heavier. It is, and to almost, in a way, almost alienate a huge chunk of their core fan base with what they did too, just to, to kind of stay with what they felt like doing. So uh, I don't think they get a lot of credit. For doing that, I mean, I, I know that the critics tended to like the album and stuff, but I think the music community at large didn't really give them the credit for doing that. Mm. You know, this happens every time you do an interview and you hang up the phone, and you might straight away think that "fuck, I never asked them that," or it's when you actually listen back, yeah, and you know you don't have a follow-up question to something, and uh-huh. you're like, "fuck it." <laughs> There was one I had, and I should have asked Joey, why did Janie want to go heavier? Mm. And I never asked him that. Yeah. And it's, it's been pissing me off since I, got, since I hung up the phone with him. When, I'm, when you, we talk about this interview, yeah. um, it's probably the one question in the whole interview that I never asked him. That well, I, I, I think, too, that, I mean, they all had heavier influences, too. So, kind of, why not follow... You know what you do. I wonder was part of that a reaction to the Cherry Pie song that he wanted to say, "Fuck it, I'm not writing bubblegum pop anymore. I want to write heavier shit." Maybe, maybe. I'm sure that's all. You know, there's a lot of different factors involved yeah, in it. Yeah, could be. I mean, definitely. Um, you know, I never, I never met Janie. Um, my girlfriend did. Um, he was friends with one of her girlfriends, so they ended up, you know, hanging out and stuff. I've actually seen pictures of. Uh, him basically carrying her on, her on his shoulders and stuff like, you know, just, and he was the kind of guy that he, she said it was like really down to earth. They'd be out having a cookout or whatever. And, you know, he might even just pick up a guitar and sing some crap or whatever, but, uh, never, never acted the rock star. And like at first, you know, first time she even met him, didn't realize at first, even like who it was. Cause it was just so down to earth. They said really just a really when was this? down to earth guy. So oh, this would have been back uh, probably 15, 18 years ago. Oh, okay. You know, something like that, yeah. Okay. 
So you're talking way after they were a, a big band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she's had nothing bad to say about the guy. Said definitely down to earth, and so you know maybe just that kind of attitude percolates through with kind of just what what he was doing at the tail end too. You know, no. Yeah, and the, the other thing I didn't get into with Joey, and I deliberately didn't want to go there, was Janie's alcoholism. Sure. It's been well documented, and, and the interview was all about Joey's recollection of the of the album and right, what right. happened to him. So, I yeah. you know, don't expect any of that, really. He, mm. he touches on it, but don't expect uh, me to ask him a lot of questions on no, it. No, and plus the fact that, you know, that's, I mean, you were making great questions already. And you could tell he was really happy to talk about the things that he was talking about. Well, after Bo Hill, he was. <laughs> yeah, after Bo Hill, right. Um, but, you know, but then after that, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, something like bringing back into that probably would have really kind of put him probably in a different place. If thinking, ah, you know, I'm talking about this every freaking interview and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I think you've always done a good path of not going down a lot of those same tired interviews. In fact, sometimes you even set up the interviews by going, hey, by the way, I'm not going to ask you about X, Y, and Z. And just, you know, you get it right out of the way and stuff too, which is great. I think it puts people into like, oh, okay, this is different. This is going to be, this could be fun and whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think it was good you probably, you know, didn't delve into that. Mm. Uh, The one thing I find very important when I do something like this on an album, I do do it chronologically. Mm -hmm. That's the way I always approach it. It's the before what set up the album, recording yeah. the album, and then I always finish up with the touring. Mm-hmm. And you'll find a lot about the touring on this interview. Yeah. And he gets really excited, I think, about some of the bands that spoke to him about when, that mm. he toured with. Yep. And I think that led to him saying at the end of the interview that I asked a, a lot of questions that he doesn't normally get asked because, you know, there's a, a big fucking metal band that he went on tour with on this that he's a massive, massive fan of. Yeah. And yeah. he shares some stories about being on the road with them, and you're going to hear it on this one. Right. Yeah, so it's. I think it's. It's. I think it, and do a good job, and you really cast a wide, quite net of questions on there and stuff, and and definitely, you know, I think that's part of the the idea, right? Is that you get to satisfy kind of your curiosity about a lot of stuff you wondered about, but a lot of that same stuff is probably stuff that a lot of other people have wondered about. Oh, they never thought about. Hey, wow! I didn't think about that, and and they just kind of put together a bigger part of the story. And that's part of what we do, right? Well, I hope. I hope that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think so. I think that uh, you know, even even um, you know, the week before that, I think it was the week before that with Robin McCauley, and there's been a lot of comments coming back, like on Twitter, about that and saying, you know, nice job, Richie, and you know, so I, I think people enjoy like that that chunk of it too. So that's I think that's pretty cool. Mm, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. So I'm not, uh, I'm not on Twitter though, so I wouldn't. Yeah. Know. That's all right. You cover the Facebook part. So. Yeah, I leave Elon Musk handle all your shit in Twitter. And uh, so, you know, speaking of that, now, I, okay, I can't go without someone asking about this. So, somebody asked about what? How about if Elon Musk goes ahead and buys MTV and starts playing music videos again? And I mean, probably not going to happen. But it just kind of was like, well, this is an interesting concept. Like, you know, what would that do to music today? You know, would it would it change how what people are doing, buying, whatever? I just it just made me think a lot about that, about the whole idea of uh, you know what would happen if where are they going to get the videos? The ones they put on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. none. Of, all you have on YouTube is these lyric videos. They're not going to play. Uh, well, no, they don't. There's lots. Of, I mean, if you if you look up there, you'll see that there's like Frontiers has a ton of videos up. Like a lot of the labels actually have videos. You go to their site; they've got full videos, not just yeah, lyric but MTV videos. aren't going to play Frontiers. 
songs. They're, they're going to they're gonna play the fucking big, big bands. That depends. What, what happens if Elon decides, yeah, I'm going to play videos and I'm going to cast a wider net about what I'm playing and not just be corporate? And I don't know. This is an interesting thought experiment anyways. It's an interesting thought, but I, I, th- I think a lot of people before Elon Musk have, t- have said to MTV, why aren't you playing music videos? It's because it's obviously not financially viable anymore to do it. Um, I don't know if it's not financially viable. I think they just decided to go for other stuff. Where's the competition then? That it, that it showed the videos. There's no other channel. There's, there's, there would have been a channel by now that would show music videos if they were going to make money off it. And they, they won't take the chance um, to do it. Not necessarily. If you, so if you're a little channel starting out, now you've got to start dealing with copyright and all that because you don't have the clout to do it. But if you're already the channel that has done it, similar to like before Steve Jobs forced the issue with labels about stuff on iTunes, they weren't going to let that happen to anybody. And then you had a company that came in and had the clout on it and they were like, oh, crap, you know what? I think we're going to play ball on this. And part of it is just that. And so if you have someone that has that, like MTV did, you might see labels go, ooh, wait a minute. We were selling a lot of shit when this was happening. Okay, yeah, let's do this. And give them either zero licensing fees or dirt cheap licensing fees or whatever. And it just, I think it, you know, if it was a startup, they'd go, no, because you just don't have the, the clout to do it. And, you, know, you probably won't get the listenership. But if, if MTV started to play videos again, it might happen. I can't, can't see it happen. Ah. Happening at all. But interesting thought. The, the one fake tweet I, I, on Elon Musk, I saw it made me laugh. And I put it up on Facebook. Was it was like Elon Musk? Now that I've bought Twitter, I'm going to buy Metallica's master tapes and release Jason Newstead's bass tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was that. Whoever put that up was very clever. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. What do you say? You want to dive into uh, part two of Joey Allen? Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. You know, when he lived in Newport Beach. You know, I was, I'm not, you know, I'm not some, I, it's not like I grew up listening to ABBA, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when that, it was time to do that record and we were doing things like Inside Out, which is right up, you know, British Steel Alley. It, it to me, you know, it was like, fuck yeah. You know, this is fucking great. And if, I think if the band would have continued as those five members after that record, I think it would have gotten even better, Mm. you know, but uh, yeah, that record, I mean, his writing on that record, uh, arguably to me, some of the best of the genre, you know, deep, deeper than anybody else could have ever done. Even no disrespect to anybody. Even the ballads, like heaven's a great song, but when you put on bitter pill, there's so much more in that than in heaven. It's, it's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Maturity. Um, don't disagree with you. Andy Warhol was right. Jesus. Gives me gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And um, Bitter Pill. And how about, uh, let's not forget, Let It Rain. Yeah. You know, I mean, I wanted, you know, if I had my way for, for that record, and Eric and I were talking about it the other day, because we're doing these songs now, and we're like, fuck, I remember, you know, we're going through them, and having to remember and you know rehearsing in, in our in our hotel rooms before we go to sound check so we can remember these songs that we haven't played in forever we're doing you know bridges and bonfire and 
you know, I said, God, we should have, the first video for that, for that record should have been hole in my wall. It should have been dark as hell, deep, you know, voyeurism, you know, not, 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 you know, uh, misogynistic towards women, but just deep and dark and like, like, like the difference between Disneyland and Amsterdam. You know what I mean? And just dark and, and just nasty and then turn it around with like, you know, I, w- I don't even know what the second single is. Bitter Pills probably would have been a great one, but having Machine Gun be the first single off that, I think was a bad decision. And Eric reminded me, because you know, Columbia wanted Hole in My Wall to be the single. All the guys that did radio wanted Hole in My Wall to be the single. And uh, I don't remember that, but mm. he does. And, and, and I got I to gotta nod my hat, because every once in a while in this band, you know, Jerry, Eric, and Steven and I, we'll, we'll all remember parts that the other guys won't. And you're just like, Oh my God, that's right. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of shoulda, coulda, woulda, or, but, um, what a fantastic experience with the band and, and, and everybody involved, Michael, the engineer, Jim Morris, um, Morris sound and, you know, his brother, there, just fabulous people. Great time. Do you have, Great a, fa- time. Do you have a favorite song on the record, Joey? Um, it's either going to be uh, Inside Out or Let It Rain. Wow, this that's two extremes. Yeah, Let It Rain to me is probably, if you look at ballads like uh, like Heaven and Blind Faith and Sometimes You Christ, if you look at that type of song, Let It Rain to me was probably the best ballad of that type he ever wrote. Okay. Um, and... You know, I'm partial. I'm a guitar player, and guitar players think that way too. Is that I, I? That's my favorite solo that I've ever done in a ballad. Trying to channel my inner Jeff Beck as much as I could. Not, you know, I mean, everybody here. You know, being a fan of music and guitar players, you know, you listen to all kinds of different guys, and and um, trying to forget where one is on a solo. You know, I was trying to. I don't know, rip Beck off or whatever, but it is my favorite solo ever in a, in a ballad. And then Inside Out, just because it sounds nothing like, you know, the cherry pie warrant at all. It's, it's the exact opposite. When I played that, I was hanging out with Tommy Lee a lot at that time, and we came back and I played him a rough copy of that. He goes, that sounds like fucking Priest, dude. Whoa, you know? Yeah. And um, not that not that warrants anything near Priest. And I, I, I hope I don't get any haters going, fuck you, you know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, you know, Priest, I grew up on Priest, man. From, from I think, the first one I got was Stained Class. Nice. And um, fucking loved Priest. I saw him a few years ago. They were brilliant. I, You know what? I was supposed to see him last night and they canceled. Oh, no, I hope everybody's okay. Yeah, I think I, the, the, the rumor is that Rob is sick. Uh-oh. Yeah, but it's not confirmed. Shit. Well, I hope he's okay. Where Where are you at? I'm in Lowell, Massachusetts. So where were they playing? Worcester? No, Lowell, Massachusetts. They're in my town. Okay. I, could, I could walk to the venue. Oh, man, that's disappointing, huh? <laughs> Take all your fun away. Oh, uh, uh, I hope Mr. Halford is, is, uh, is healthy. Yeah, yeah. So i just got a couple of more questions, Joey, before I leave you go. Um, do you still have any of the guitars you use to record Dog Eat Dog? I do not. Those went the way of a divorce. Okay. And and uh, 
that doesn't mean she got them. It just means that they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those were Ibanez. They were made in. Um, I'll tell you a lot about them. They were made in North Hollywood at the Ibanez Pro Shop by a guy named Mace Bailey and Mike Lippy. I haven't talked to Mace in 30 years. Mike Lippy just passed a few years ago. Uh, he owned Lippy Guitars. He was a great luthier. Those are the guys that I do believe made Vise. Um, Jim, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. And then they made, um, I know they made that double neck, the heart guitar that he used to take out on the tour with Roth. Okay. So we were signed with Ibanez at the time. A guy named Chris Kelly was our artist relations director. He's now, I think, at PV. And um, that's where those guitars came from. And I would love to have at least one of them, but they didn't make it through the divorce. Let's just put it that way. Okay. I believe one of the bands you toured with on Dog Eat Dog was Iron Maiden. Um, yes, sir. Tell me about opening for a Maiden crowd, because they're, <laughs> they're not that easy to open for. Did, they are did, not. Yeah, did, did, you, did you guys change the set to make it heavier so that you might suit the Maiden crowd, or did you just say, fuck it, we're warranted just, to do what we do? Just a fucking little bit. Are you kidding me? I mean, we, we thought we were going to get pummeled, and, and at some shows we did get pummeled. Um, you know, I mean, oof, what's the best way? Number one, Maiden. You know, I saw Maiden live with Paul Deano opening for UFO at Long Beach Arena when on the Killers tour. Wow. Yeah. Clyde playing drums, the whole nine yards. So that's how far back my, my Maiden lineage goes. So when we got the opportunity to go do Europe with them, and I think it was 11, 10 or 11 shows, you know, um, you know, working with Dog Eat Dog in Europe. I mean, what a fucking dream, right? Yeah. And and you don't know um, the guys all brilliant. Never treated us anything but brilliant. Um, you know, Steve, quiet guy, very very nice. Um, everybody else was brilliant. Of course, Nico. Nico, you know, he's 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 the life of the party for sure. But just just. I couldn't say better things about that band. Number one is people and the way that they welcomed us into their world. Um, now the fans were a little bit harder to crack. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we went over there and first thing we did was we took Kevin out of the set and we looked at our, everything we played was the, you know, if you could say Warrant had any heavy tunes, the heaviest we did have, you know, the Sure Feels Goods, the Uncle Tom's Cabins, you know, and then everything off of bon off of uh, off of Dog Eat Dog that we could that was heavy. -er. And that's it. We didn't play any ballads. We didn't play any Sometimes She Cries, No I Saw Red, none of that shit at all. And, um, and you know, we would go out uh, at the beginning of the set and we'd either get booze or we would get crossed hands, or we would get shit thrown at us. And, you know, in the never say die attitude, let's be relentless attitude of warrant, we persevered and we would just stick in there and stick in there and keep on pummeling. You know, there's a video of us in, um, in uh, Italy. And the band, here, check this bill out. This was on the Maiden tour. Pantera opened. This Cowboys from Hell era, maybe maybe even just after that. Yeah. And we were friends with all those guys. Yeah. Then it was us, Warrant, and then it was like Testament, Megadeth, 
Sabbath with Ronnie, and then Iron Maiden. Now, who doesn't belong on that bill? Well, pretty easy. And just say one thing before that, Joey. That's some fucking <laughs> bill. Yeah, That's great fucking amazing yeah. lineup of bands. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. You know, when we started, the shit was fucking flowing. <laughs> the bottle, the bottles of piss, the bottles of piss were flying up on the stage. And, you know, rightfully so, I get it. And again, in pure warrant fashion, we just played through it and dodged those bottles of piss. Mm. And and at the end of the show, you know, I think we closed with a cover of, um, we played Balls to the Wall by Accept, because Michael Wagner was, you know, went to school with Udo, right? Yeah. And, um, and we played that as heavy as we fucking could. And we're all Accept fans, you know, and... By the end of the set, no more piss flying up on the stage. Same thing in Paris. Same thing everywhere we played with Maiden. But I fondly remember the gigs. I, I'm going to go see the band when they come around this time out on the road. I'm a huge fan. And uh, it was an absolute honor to play with them. How many of the Maiden shows were you able to stand side stage or in the audience and watch? As many as I got invited. I, I uh, One night I got to watch... One from Nico's drum cave. Oh man! And and the only time I left was to piss, you know, because I was drinking beer. And yeah, I got invited up. I think that might have been Paris, but I was like right behind his tech. Yeah, wow, right? Yeah. Who gets who gets that opportunity? Yeah, just fucking brilliant, man. I mean, I, I wish I wish I could just download that memory and and um, share it with everybody because it was such a brilliant opportunity yeah. for me to do something around a band that I really still to this day love dearly. Yeah. Now, of course, Joey, you left the band after Dog Eat Dog, and I've read in interviews that you were partying hard at the time. One of the questions I want to ask you, and I've asked various musicians this over the years, was there any people in the band's organisation, be it management or label, that would sit you guys down and say, look, this is what's going to happen, and this is how you deal with it, because... They tend to do that now in the NFL and a lot of the sports teams that all these guys are going to achieve success maybe at a young age and to keep them grounded they give them a bit of education. Did you guys get any of that? Fuck no. No. <laughs> you know, number one, I don't know how much of it would have helped at the time okay. to be honest with you. So I'm not going to disparage any of our former managers or anybody like that. You know, and even Bo, I mean, when we started this interview, you know, look, obviously it's still a sore subject, the whole Bo thing, you know, would, would I, would I, would I be kind to Bo if I saw him on a, on a, on a street corner? Probably. I'm not an asshole, you know, but it's just, it just wasn't a good memory. And, you know, there's other things that happen in the, in the, you know, like when I left Warrant, I was a mess, you know, I, I, part of me left because, you know. Janie wasn't making a meeting and I'm just like, fuck, I can't do this. I can't rely, keep on relying on this guy and he's just going to sleep through a meeting that's important to this band right now. And, but part of it, most of it was just self-preservation. I needed to go. You know, if I would have stuck around Warrant and gone through those years that I didn't go through, I probably wouldn't be having this interview with you because I was not in good shape. And I'll be the first one to tell you you know, it wasn't anybody else's fault or responsibility but my own. And there wasn't, uh, you know, I have family 
You know, I have my father who passed last year, he was still alive. And, and, and it, it, anything they tried to tell me to do, I wouldn't have listened. Okay. You know, so so I don't want to get on that soapbox of, yeah, I wish somebody would have helped me out. Or, you know, I had to go down that dark, 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 dark path. And thank God I came out of it. You know, when I did come out of it, my family and my and my good friends were there. How's that? Yeah. Did you, you know? leave, did you leave before Stephen? I did. Yeah, I left. I called Jerry, Eric, and Stephen, and I left. And and when I was doing the call, the only thing I recall about that is when I told Jerry, and we, Jerry and I were pretty much best friends. You know, he's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And I'm all, dude, I can't fucking handle this anymore. I'm out. And uh, that's really all I remember. But I was out of my fucking head. It wasn't anybody's fault mm. you know it was just i just had to do what i had to do and i left and i was hanging around the wrong people and just doing the wrong shit and um thank god you know by the grace of whatever i, I came out on the other end you know yeah did um did you follow the band at all after you left i did not nope i was done i walked away what about keeping in contact with any of them Eric and Jerry and I talked, I talked with Eric more than anybody. You know, there wasn't a big, there was just cell phones were just firing up then, you know, mid nineties. So I would keep in touch with Eric every five or six months. We'd talk, I think, you know, just Mm. how you doing? I hope you're good. Hope your mom's good. You know, when you're in a band with guys for that long and you, you, it's like brothers, you know, and just because your big brother moves away doesn't mean he doesn't love you, you know, or, or doesn't want to, doesn't want to see you. You know, so yeah, and then Jerry and I would talk every once in a while, and then you know when it was time for it to get back together, that you know it was just the right time. Things happen for a reason. Okay, so it was a pretty easy decision. Like they only asked you once, and you came back, or was there multiple attempts to do it? Uh, there was an email, and it was from Eric, and he said, "Call me," and I'm like, "Fuck, his mom died or something." I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. And uh, I reluctantly called him because I didn't want to hear bad news like that. And he said, hey, man, you want to jam? And I had gotten through the difficult part of my life. I had gone back to school and, you know, got Microsoft certified. And I was working as a database guy at a company running a database pick basic system for a company, mid-tier manufacturing company. And um, I was a little, you know, been eight years of working on Microsoft platforms <laughs> You know, and I was a little, as any IT guy knows, you get a little toasty after a while doing that. And I was a little toasty, so the timing was right. I mean, I'm not a big religious guy, but I definitely believe things happen for a reason. Joey, did you you play a lot over those years when you were working on computers? I tried, I tried desperately to put a band together with some friends and, and, and um, Orange County where I grew up was maybe a little more punky edge, you know, and it just didn't work for me. It wasn't, you know, and, and no disrespect to any of these guys by any means, but it's just when you, there's different musicians or even just different caliber of, of, of people and the way they work and, and how hard they work or how much they want something and how they just, some people are relentless and don't give up and some people don't have the same work ethic and I couldn't find that same work ethic in anybody else down in Orange County. I just couldn't. 
And, you know, when the Warren thing came back around, it was the easiest thing to say, yeah, I, I, I do want to jam. Fuck yeah. What was the first thing? Tell me what, how you were feeling being in the room with the guys strapping on the guitar, playing the song. So was there a lot of emotions there, all negative and positive? There were no negative emotions. It was just like, wow, this is the, the, when I'll put, I'll, I'll answer you with what Jerry said. He go, it was Jerry, Eric, myself without Steven because Steven wasn't back yet. But Jerry goes, fuck, this is starting to sound like warrant again. That's what he said. Hmm. And then when Steven came in and played with us about a month later, and no disrespect to Mike Fasano because he's a good friend and a hell of a great drummer. He's in a band called Tiger Army now. Um, you know, back back to that same thing, that fingerprint, that fist. Yeah. You know, when Steven sat down and played drums, it was like, fuck, that, that's Warrant, you know? And and that sounds like Warrant. And, and um, it's the same thing with any band, with Motley or any band that's out there that, you know, has other people play tracks on a record or anything like that. It just doesn't sound right. When you get the five guys that made the magic in the first place together, there you go. You know, and, and, and look, I would love to have Janie Lane in this band. All of us would. And this is no disrespect to Robert Mason, who's just an absolutely top-notch singer in this industry. You know, but, you know, that version of Warrant was a lot of fun and it sounded a certain way that even as much as anybody tries to, you can't emulate it and get it nailed down exactly. Robert does an absolutely amazing job at all of the Warrant songs we sing and play. You know, now that we're getting into the dog eat dog, it's actually a little more up his alley because Robert's got a little more of a rock edge than than Janie did when it came to singing. Janie had a really clean, you know, like Brad Delt from Boston toned, you know? I think I think with Robert, and I've interviewed him, and he's a heck of a nice guy, and I've seen him live, he's a great singer. He's a bit of a chameleon as a singer. Like, he can sing, you know, different genres, and, be able, and, and he's able to pull it off. Yes, that's a great way to look at Robert. He is a chameleon, and he, he's just... You know, I mean, look, we'd love to play with Lane. We can't. There's nothing we can do. And, and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, keyboard warriors out there that, you know, when, when Janie Lane died, Warren died. Okay, that's great. I mean, I look, I, I grew up listening to David Lee Roth and Van Halen, you know, and as much as, you know, I'm a huge Sammy Hagar fan, you know, I preferred. Van Halen with David Lee. Those are the records I listened to when I grew up. I get it. I'm not closed off. I listened to the ones with Sammy, too. Thought they were great, but I preferred the first few Dave records, you know, all the way up through Fair Warning. Brilliant, you know? So I get it. But, you know, when somebody passes, there's something you can't do about it anymore. Yeah. And we're, we're not done making music and playing and having fun. You know, I've got, for the last 16 and a half years... I work in the music industry outside of Warren. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's a nine to five because I work more hours than that, but I am employed and I don't do Warrant because I need the money. I do Warrant because I love the music and I'm a music fan and I do it because people want to come out and see the band. That's why we all do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's much deeper than, 
than a money grab or something like that. And, and um, you know, we're, we're paying homage to Janie every fucking night and, and we're having fun. It's fun. Yeah. You, you mentioned there early in the interview, Joey, that you had a lot of, you, you know, you've got a ton of songs and like demo in demo form. Is there anything unreleased with Janie on vocals that you have full songs? Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Everybody has tapes. Okay. Oh shit. You know, we're, we're, you know, I mean, there's, there's, what's the best way to put it? I know that Jerry's in contact with Janie's girls, his, his daughters, um, because there's, you know, some business and financial matters that come in and we've, you know, I will just tell you this, that, you know, anything that we deal with that is rightfully Janie's, you know, we make sure that his daughters, you know, um, reap, reap, reap his hard work. I mean, nobody's stealing anything from anybody. Nobody's doing anything. We, uh, we, we do the right thing as a band and a business when mm. it comes to that. So, you know, I don't know if we could ever call them up and say, hey, I don't know if this is something you'd want to do, but we've got these songs your father sang on that he wrote that we've got copies of and, you know, some fans, some diehard Warrant fans might want to hear them. What do you think? You know, I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Final you know, I, and sure. Final question, Joey, before I leave you go. I'm a big fan of the albums you did with Robert. Um, is there any talk at all about doing another one? There's always talk about doing a record. So, uh, sure, we could do another record. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we will or when we will. I would imagine at least squeak one more out before we stick a fork in this pig. You know, <laughs> I, I, I it would be great. I mean, you know, it's a love hate thing making a record because you have uh, five chefs in the kitchen and sometimes it's like five nice guys and sometimes it's like five Gordon Ramsay's in the kitchen <laughs> and that's the best way that's a good way of putting it that's the best way I could put it and it's like you can tell I watch some cooking shows right so it's like it's like um, it's like it can either be a good thing or a bad thing but at the end of the day if you make something you're proud of and and you know, and you can give the fans some new music. It's it's a fabulous thing to do. You know, it, it, it it's not something you do for money or anything like that. I mean, you know, look at look at the business nowadays. I mean, we're all in our mid to late fifties. You know, what's the chance of us having a hit single? Who knows? I mean, it could happen. It happened once. Happened more than once for us. You know, there's yeah. there's some of my buddies around here in Southern California that are in bands there's a band called lit you know the bass player is one of my best friends he's got a great record right now that's about to come out just full of killer songs you know could one of them pop and all of a sudden those guys are back in arenas i don't know it'd be great the songs are there is the rest of the machine behind it it's a different life now with music you know so i you know for everybody out there i'd love to do a record i love the guys i play in the band with i love the history I love talking to people about it that want to listen like you and ask questions that other people don't ask, which is, you have, which is great. And, uh, you know, we'll do it for as long as we can. Mm. I think, I think you're, you're going out later this year, aren't you, with uh, is a Skid Row and Winger? Yeah, we've actually done a few shows already with them. They've done great. Skids are right now are in um, Vegas with the Scorpions, and uh, that should end in the next week or two. 
the tour starts at the end of this uh, of April in Kentucky, and then I think we've got like 30, 20, 30 dates with them, more being added. And uh, when Winger can't do it, because maybe uh, Rev is out with, with White Snake, I don't know if they'll get somebody to sit in for them or if we'll pick another band like Lita or somebody like that to come out and have fun with. But it's doing good, and the kids and us, we get along. We're, it's like it's like brothers, you know. We've known each other since 89. There's a lot of laughing going on backstage. That's it. You know, there's no ego. It's not like that. Skids are a heavier band, way heavier than us. You know, but if you throw the two bands together with Winger as well, you get a bunch of hit songs. Yeah. And and you get and you get the and you get the uh, you know uh, you know a lot of people's you know youth. You know, you get all these hit songs. You get the Skid songs. You get our songs. You get Winger songs. And it's a good time, man. And all the bands sound absolutely great. The skids now with the new with the new cat. You know, they got a kid that's got some pipes. Eric Greenwald, he's a great singer. Dude, he's got a guy with some pipes. Like, when I got, you know, I got one email or one text that said, did the skids get a new singer? It was right when they were doing Eddie Trunk. Did the skids get a new singer? I'm sitting there working at my laptop. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. And then a minute later, I get another text with a picture of Scotty and him. And, uh, and I go, and I text Scotty and Dave and Rachel, and I, and I, cause I went out and I listened to the kid, and I go, fuck, you know, wow. Kids got some pipes. And I just text him, I said, I go, your boy, your new boy's got some pipes. Congratulations. See you in Kentucky. Be, be safe in Vegas. And they all three hit me back and just, thanks, bro. It's great. You know, they're just busy over yeah. there finishing their record and, and, uh, playing with the Scorpions, and they're all happy, and it's good to see. It's good to see some of my friends, you know, in Skid Row, all my friends in Skid Row be that happy because that's the way we all should be, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Well, Joey, I want to thank you for talking to me because one of the great things I love about doing this show, and I've said it to some of the musicians, I was a young guy living up in Ireland and I'm buying all these records and to have the opportunity now to pick the actual players' brains about the album is a dream come true for me personally. Oh, man, well... Thank you for taking the opportunity. I'm 27% Irish, by the way. Nice. So, uh, and have, you ever, have you ever been in Ireland? I've never been there. I, I'm gonna go before before I before I uh, don't wake up. You know, yeah. but um, I uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, Thin Lizzy. Oh, if, yeah, they're, they're religious and they're my yeah, religion. yeah, yeah. No, I I, <laughs> I, I, I go. I don't like I said. I'm not a religious guy, but I do go to the Church of Thin Lizzy for sure. <laughs> all the way all the way back you way, know? way back yeah yeah absolutely and I've got I wear a bunch of Thin Lizzy shirts out on the road and, you know right now in the band uh, Robbie Crane is playing bass in Jerry's absence because Jerry just needed to take a break from the road life at, you know he did 35 years and he just needed to take a break and, and be home for a while so we got Robbie Crane out there he's been in Black Star Writers with Scott yep and uh so him and Scott text you know and uh Scott's over in, in England, and I, and so I wear my Thin Lizzy shirts out when I travel and stuff. And he sent a picture of Scott with me and my Thin one of my Thin Lizzy shirts on. And Scott said, "Tell that Joey guy I think he's an all right cat." You know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if if anything happens with Thin Lizzy, I've heard rumblings that that Scott might take it around one more time. And if they do, you will find me at many of those shows. Yeah, I will fly out and see them. That's one band I'll get out to see. I'll go out and see Maiden, I'll go out and see Priest, 
and uh, that's what I grew up on, man. Cheap Trick, a lot of bands, yeah. a lot of bands I love to see. So, yeah. But thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. And if we're ever around, you are around in your you, area. You are. You're playing. Me. You're playing in Lynn Mass later this year. I'm, well, it's been a I pleasure. Appreciate your time. I'll, I'll leave you get right. back to work. Okay. All right. I appreciate All right. it. Take care of yourself. Be well. Right. Bye. Bye. All right, there you go. Great interview with Joey Allen, and uh, hope you guys really enjoy these. I, I think you know we definitely enjoy bringing them to you. I know I also enjoy adding them up too, and and kind of just being like, "Ooh, you know, didn't know about that or didn't think about that." So, uh, yeah, I think another good one. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you didn't hear part one, then you want to go either to iTunes, go up to uh, Amazon Music, or you can go to focusonmetalpod.com and you can stream or download it from there i'm thinking what next week we're thinking maybe another discussion yeah we're gonna discuss stuff because i'm too lazy to schedule interviews (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know uh, it's just kind of you don't feel it you don't feel it but uh yeah so i think we'll do uh coming up we'll do a an old school discussion episode again and you know if you really think about it you know, when Focus and Metal started, there was more discussion episodes, and we've kind of shifted to more interviews. So, you know, I think you've also expressed a desire to try to go back to do kind of more of an even balance of Definitely. that as well. So, so yeah. So next week we're going to uh, be expecting a, a discussion episode for the for the next one. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, with that, that's it. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and me. Have yourselves a great metal week, and until we talk to you again, as always, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.